Digital. Student-centred. Creative. Innovation. Imagination. Initiative. Stories that matter. I'm Chia Dachi, and this is Tales of Teaching Online, brought to you by Deakin Learning Futures. So today I'm sitting on a Zoom call with Ross Monaghan, who is a lecturer in the School of Communication and Creative Arts at Deakin University. And he teaches a large first-year unit in communication at Deakin. And he brings wealth of experience in working with learning and closely working with industries. And then he incorporates those experiences and expertise into his teaching. So I'm really excited to be talking with you, Ross. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks, Chi. It's great to be talking with you. And it's uh, literally minutes since my last <laughs> Zoom call. So uh, another one is uh, neither here nor there. It's great to talk to you too. So I just wanted to start off with that general conversation about how has this COVID-19 impacted your life more generally? How you've been navigating through this? Uh, look, um, I-, I love travel and particularly in Southeast Asia. Um, so being um, confined to my, what I lovingly called my home prison cell, um, is, is, is pretty difficult. But look, I must say I have been in a really privileged and lucky position being um, a bit of an, an, an older guy. My, uh, my youngest daughter is 21. She's left home. My oldest is um, a bit older, but still living with us. But she's got a full-time job out of the house. My wife works at a hospital. So up until recently, she's been working um, out of the house. I, I literally bought my house 20 years ago because it was in front of the, um, or it had HFC cable out front. So I was, <laughs> I have high-speed internet. Um, I've got a home office. Um, I, look, I'm probably the envy of a lot of people. I feel um, like, you know, I haven't struggled with, you know, kids and animals and dogs and, and three people in the same room and Zooming at the same time. But being a communicator, being a bit of an extrovert, I, I do miss getting out and, and talking to people face to face. So that brings us the conversation around what you've been doing uh, with your teaching because of what happened mm. with the pandemic as we moved our work into working from home. So could you tell us a little bit of a context as to what you teach and the kind of um, subject that you have at Deakin? Yeah, sure. So um, being a communication lecturer, um, I, look, I focus on public relations because that, that's my background. I, I started my working life um, decades and decades ago as a, as a journalist. I did the PR degree at Deakin, or it was called the Warnable Institute back in the day because that's where I was mm. a journalist and that's where I lived. And that degree set me up really well. I worked for BHP for nine years, um, worked for Optus for a couple of years in telecommunications, um, being community relations. Then was the head of the mobile phone industry uh, association for a couple of years before I became an academic. Um, so um, look, you know, m- most of my units are focused on public relations and, you know, part of my struggle is the perception of public relations versus the reality. Uh, just because I never miss an opportunity. The public relations that we teach at Deakin is, is not necessarily out there going out and telling people about a new car or a new product. Good organisations actually walk the talk. So public relations, mm-hmm. much of the time, is working behind the scenes in organisations to make sure they're adapting to what the community and government and other expectations and, and other um, stakeholders want. Um, so changing that perception... I can say that to my students. So it's, I found quite early on that it's 
really valuable bringing in outside experts in and given my senior roles in, in, in industry, I had a pretty good network when I started at Deakin and I, I worked really hard to refine that and, and, and add to that um, during the past, um, you know, 17 years at Deakin. And that's really, really helped in um, teaching the classes that I now teach in, in 2020, which are focused on public relations writing. I chair a couple of units as well, also at postgraduate level and uh, campaign units as well. But I bring in that work integrated learning experience. So even in my writing class, I've partnered with a local um, council. Um, and whilst some, some of the uh, scenarios that we're writing about are fictitious, they actually do want ideas about how to communicate with the community um, so that they can safely engage with local shopkeepers um, once we come out of lockdown. So um, yeah, that's some of the teach, some of the the things that have influenced my teaching, that the units I teach at the moment, all heavily focused on planning for communication and tactical devices. Yeah, and I think in this current climate, what you teach um, in communication is so relevant for our students because of us communicating largely online and our students would have to find their ways to jobs essentially at the end of their study with us Deacon. So it's really relevant in many ways. And so I would like us to really focus on the particular problem that you faced going through this pandemic and then how this mm. uh, has impacted on your teaching in terms of changing your practice. And then I like us to talk about this Facebook live <laughs> lectures that you have started doing. Yeah, and uh, the trials and tribulations of the host. Happy to go into that. Um, look, I, I think my philosophy, as we, we started off, I like to have a glass is half full approach. Um, and so often, um, particularly doing things online, technology doesn't always play nicely. And sometimes if you've got senior guests, sometimes they um, pull out at the last minute. Um, you know, for example, that uh, story about the cybersecurity issue we had um, a couple of weeks ago, we were, we were, that day we were all lined up to talk to the Minister for Cybersecurity in one of my extracurricular programs. And um, so that fell through. So we quickly had to come up with an alternative in about half an hour. And um, I was able to, to call on my, my network to do that. We came up with some pretty amazing things. But the backstory to that is during uh, the first half of the year, I was really concerned about um, students' welfare. Um, it is pretty stressful, um, both changing and adapting to online study. Mm. But also I was conscious that because of my work integrated learning role I, um, and talking with students a lot about what they are going to do when they graduate from Deakin, I knew many were also concerned about what they were going to do when they graduated. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's not an ideal um, job marketplace at the moment for many graduates. Mm. But I know, and I think many people know, that if you put in the work well and truly before you graduate and, and build up some networks, that you're going to be in a much better place. Also, I, you know, employers now more than ever say that we employ for attitude, we train for skills, so they actually want to see the right attitude for students. So um, back in trimester one, I set up a program called Student Comms Chat, which was not just for Deakin students, it was any communication related students in this essentially the asia pacific the region mm. yeah um 
and the reason I wanted to do that, and some people might question, well, what, you know, you're a deacon, why didn't you just get deacon students um, involved in this program? Well, all deacon students can be. Um, getting students from QUT, from Swinburne, from other universities involved doesn't detract from that program. It enhances it. And those students making connections, um, it, it's good for those students. And part of the program is to go out and, and get those students networking online, whether it's Zoom, whether it's Facebook Lives, whether it's tweet chats, whether it's Instagram Lives and a whole range of other things, including um, LinkedIn. With so many students involved, I, I found that industry was very, very willing to actually um, come in and talk to students one-on-one. -on -one. And I mean, people at the most senior levels in organisations um, the biggest agencies in Australia were happy to give up their time um, and Zoom and just talk to students one-on-one -on -one for an hour or so and, and more if they wanted to. Um, so that's what I did first, first trimester. I had a fairly light teaching load and I focused on getting students networking. And that really informed my thinking for T2, which mm. in a nutshell was to, I, I wanted to, to replicate as much as I could that face-to-face -face lecture type style. Um, and, and I was a bit hesitant about just doing a Zoom because, you know, I think, well, my, my record of any one day recently is about nine hours on Zoom. And, and I'm sure there are people listening who can easily break that record. We're, we're all Zoomed out. Um, I also wanted a platform that made it a little bit more like, um, I guess, a TV type or, or, or online program. So that's why I decided to, to actually do live lectures where in the past my online cloud lectures have been recorded and I decided that's not that engaging. If I, if I can find a way to actually do them live, have live guests in and actually get students in and that's why I decided to, to go with Facebook Live, which you've already mentioned. It's a great way to stream our videos. I, I'm using a, um, a platform uh, that allows me to bring in guests much like Zoom, but actually control what they, what they do and, and who they see. I'm going to have students involved. Yeah, it becomes much more of an open practice, doesn't it, um, Ross? Because Zoom, you need to have an account. And I know they have free account as well, yeah. but Deacon, we have an institutional account. Whereas Facebook is a social media platform where it's really open to anyone who create their own accounts, regardless of the institutions that they belong to. So for our students, uh, it's a really open forum where they get to mingle with industry partners, but also mm. other students from coming from other universities. So right. I guess that's the interesting part. And um, what attracted you to that? And how is it relevant to your <laughs> teaching and students? Yes. So look, Facebook is great, but what attracted me to it is not so much, I guess, the social networking aspects of it, which are okay, but it, it, it's a way to um, broadcast video. Um, now you can do that on uh, a range of other services. LinkedIn uh, now offers streaming to a limited number of people, um, YouTube, and there are others. And of course you can do it on Zoom. Um, on Facebook, you don't need an account to access it. Um, so you can, I, I know there are other um, platforms where, where you don't need an account, but it, you can use that. It, it, it lets you, because many students are using it and they've got Messenger, by programming in a, uh, a lecture coming up, it alerts them automatically. Um, it lets other students know about that in other classes as well. So you know, it, other people can see that. It records it automatically um, in the Facebook stream. 
the video, students can ask questions either using their account or if they don't want to do that, um, I actually have my email open beside me as well. So if you want to watch it anonymously on Facebook, you can shoot me an email and I can still answer the question oh, live. Okay, so that was one of the questions that I had for you, Ross, mm. in terms of access to platform like uh, Facebook as a social media, um, because not all students have their um, Facebook accounts or yeah, social absolutely. media accounts. So this is one of the questions that we often get from teachers in talking about how we ensure to protect students' access to certain technologies that we have, but yeah. also their privacy um, area too, if yeah. it was to go beyond Deakin's um, ecology of learning and teaching tools. So did you want to talk about your experience in overcoming that particular <laughs> challenge? <laughs> yeah, and look, I, I was... I, I didn't race to Facebook lightly. Um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that I was on uh, MySpace probably 15 years ago. So this is almost the first time that I've used Facebook like this. So it has taken a while. I've thought carefully about it. Um, one, um, yeah, I, I didn't want a platform where students actually had to log in. So at the moment, so you can ex just view it um, on your laptop. Um, it's a good mobile experience as well. And one thing I also forgot to mention, which did play um, uh, uh, a pretty large factor in me deciding to use uh, Facebook was that my lecture is at 8 a.m. on a Tuesday morning. <laughs> um, now, you're giggling there and you're starting to see if I had a Zoom session, I'm sure not a lot of students at 8 o'clock in the morning would want yeah, to be um, Zoom ready. <laughs> and, and look, I, I don't blame them. So I wanted that sort of one-way streaming platform, which was one of the other reasons that I've chosen it. So students can see me, they can see a guest, and I actually invite a couple of students in on the stream as well to make it, you know, replicate the the lecture experience and then i encourage them to ask questions so having the email open i can answer those questions in my uh the software it's called Streamyard. um the facebook um, comments can come in i can add other messages on there but importantly it's recorded on facebook which i think is beneficial so when students have got a moment on their um their mobile device they can access that um, facebook does what it can to promote that um, lecture and then the first lecture remembering that I had 350 students in total in my class in the first day Facebook notified that I think the analytics were over 33,000 people actually saw some sort of notification from it and wow. I had about 2,900 people actually view it which is pretty good compared to most of yeah, my lectures at the end of the first week with 350 students you know maybe half them had seen it so the analytics of that were good. Now, what if people don't even want to go near Facebook, which is a legitimate issue? Um, I, uh, it's pretty easy to download the recording and then upload it to Deacon Air, where students can then see the recording on Deacon Air. So they never, to see the lectures and to see everything associated with the class, I was very conscious to ensure that, um, you know, I maintained all of that within the learning management system. Mm -hmm. um, but for those that wanted a bit more of an experience, they can go out and participate in the live lectures 
Um, I, I think the first week I had of those 300, I think I had about 90 view it live on the first week, which wasn't too bad. It was probably better than um, a face-to-face lecture at eight o'clock in the morning. This week, I think I had about 60 view it, but uh, you know, I've, I'm well into the, I think the, the hundreds now that have seen it. And that was only a couple of hours ago. Mm. So what's next for you, Ross, in terms of your work becoming more of an open practice to include social media platforms and so forth? What's on your agenda? Um, Look, I I think bedding down um, the way that I actually do these lectures. I mean, I I reached and exploring new ways of doing it and doing it better is probably on my agenda for T2 2020. And of course, uh, you know, another, sorry, I should go back. And another reason I did Facebook lectures was if there is ever a time to try something different and try something that could be more engaging now was the time to do it. So I, the first two lectures I've done, so it's week two now as we record this podcast, um, you know, I've reached out to industry practitioners through my LinkedIn feed and said, would anyone like to join me on these particular topics? And almost instantly people from around the world um, mm-hmm come back to me and say, yes, we'd love to be in your lecture. So you know, next week's lecture, I've got the former head, international chair of the International Association of Business Communicators from Texas joining me um, at eight o'clock on Tuesday morning to talk to students for about five minutes to supplement what I'm saying about strategic planning. Um, I think, you know, getting uh, students a little bit more involved, getting them to explore a range of different platforms as well, thinking them mm-hmm. about how they can use them. I can also integrate um, the work that I'm doing in the student comms chat program, talking with senior practitioners on a range of different platforms, um, trying to get, um, I guess, curate that information is probably top of my agenda at the moment. We've had some amazing speakers and some amazing topics and bringing those all together will be important. What a fantastic learning opportunity that you've got for your students coming up as well. How exciting. So I suppose my last question is, if you had any other advice and tips for teachers who are out there listening to this podcast and perhaps thinking about trying to do something different in the online space, um, I know you've got (laughs) years of experience in this, but if you were to give top tip for these teachers who are starting out, what would you tell them? Um, Look, I I think... One comment that an industry practitioner um, mentioned to me quite a few years ago now, it rings true to me right now, um, Lee Assey, who is the director of social media for the Mayo Clinic over in the US, who many staff will know, um, said to me, so this is an original quote, but he, he said to me, you know, I, I like to use social media in these platforms as, as Lee Assey, and I'll make my mistakes as Lee Assey, so that when I come to do my work for the Mayo Clinic, I get it right most of the time <laughs> so I, I i would encourage staff to use these platforms personally um don't be hesitant to reach out to industry they are 99 times out of 100 really keen to both engage with academia and academics but also they're champing the bit to be able to give back and help students out both in terms of just talking to students in, in lectures, but also the number of practitioners and leaders that I've spoken to who, who are willing to mentor students one-on-one is just astronomical. Um, and I've got students now being mentored by politicians, um, by senior industry practitioners, and that's definitely going to supercharge their career. 
Um, and quite often those practitioners feel like I'm helping them out by, by bringing them into the, the lectures and, and introducing mm. them to young practitioners. So it becomes a bit of a snowball effect. Go out there, try and help your students, try and, and help industry. And, and you know, that, that's pretty much the definition of good networking. Be a good networker, use the technology, um, and I'm sure you'll find, you know, great uses for it that's going to benefit both you personally, but also students and, and, and our professions. Great, Ross. That's a really good advice. And thank you so much for sharing your time, expertise and stories with us. Um, how could people get in touch with you if they wanted to ask you any questions? Yeah, look, there's a lot of ways. Um, of course, the Deacon email, Monaghan at Deacon is my email address. But if you wanted to contact me on Twitter, you can go to at the media pod. And if anyone wants to have a look at the student comms chat stuff that I'm doing, you can just go onto Facebook and search for student comms chat. And you can message me there. And there's some um, good examples of some of the videos that I do. Um, and if you want links to my Facebook page for the class, I'm happy to pass those on. Great. Thanks, Ross.